Welcome to She Knows, hosted by Brandon Burns, another show from Torched Productions. This is the show where we tell the stories of amazing women doing amazing things. We share stories of adversity, success, leading as a woman, overcoming challenges with gender, stereotypes, and role models for women all over the world. Tune in to walk away with at least one key insight every episode that will help you on your journey. Let's get down to the show, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and review us on all your favorite platforms and visit us at gettorched.com. Well, welcome back, everyone, to She Knows, a show shining a light on amazing women doing amazing things. I've got a superstar guest with me today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then introduce her. I can't wait to share her story with you. So she is employee number 40 at Finder. This is one of Australia's largest businesses. You've no doubt seen it on TV, on the radio. You've read about it in the news. So she's been there pretty much since ground zero. She's also a board member at Pep Talker. She's been a contributor at Mumbrella. She's a wife and proud mother of two to a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. She's getting it done in lockdown. And she's also the COO at Shabesta Ventures. It's Michelle Hutchison. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. And it's great to have you on the show all the way from sunny Sydney. Is it shining sun there at the moment? Oh, it's beautiful this week. We've seen some sunshine. It's getting warmer. Spring is here. So obviously, Michelle, you're managing, you know, Shabesta Adventures. You've got some exposure there to Finder and Fred and his massive team. And obviously, you know, you've worked in big teams throughout your entire career. How have you found the transition and sort of managing people's well-being and just being able to get through this complete adjustment all of a sudden? Or maybe that might have been something that you saw Finder and, and the Ventures team doing already pre-COVID. Yeah, I think Finder's been, um, obviously, I've been at Finder for eight years, so it's a really incredible company and business to work in. Um, and the flexibility has been incredible. Um, being a mother, um, it's been super important to be flexible. And um, and it's been like that from the beginning, you know. Um, and I think 40% of our um, crew around the world is distributed and work from home and remote. And um, that was pre-COVID. So we were always set up um, with the technology and the, you know, the culture to, to be able to work from home. So when we went into lockdown the first time, um, it was a really smooth transition. But um, obviously communication had to change and um, be increased and um, you know people's well-being was you know more at the forefront and um, so that was really interesting and I think um, you know this time round I, I think for the most part people have been you know used to it they, they know what to expect they've done it before but not to say that it hasn't been hard and um, you know, difficult for most people. I think um, yeah just being able to reach out to people um, make sure you know you're consciously um, checking in with people and 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 making sure everyone you know is okay and wants to have a chat and be around um, has been really good yeah awesome now I have to ask you this is what we ask every guest at the start of the episode what does a typical day in the life of Michelle Hutchison look like now I know you know we're all sort of facing a similar day to a degree so maybe you can give me an insight into you know what a typical day look like at your best adventures pre and post COVID and also from a personal point of view with your family life. Okay, sure. So um, a typical day for me at the moment would be, you know, getting the, and usually for pre-COVID as well, getting the kids ready for school um, and and getting everyone ready and, you know, set for the day. 
Um, and then checking the calendar first thing in the morning and making sure, you know, Fred has everything he needs and knows where he's at and what interviews and, and media things he and shoots or whatever he has on in the day um, and making sure he turns up for them or rescheduling if he's um, had other things come up, um, helping with his social media and making sure we've got some content to go out for the day. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of random things come up in my day. I've got one of those jobs where it's really hard to, um, describe. I've always found it difficult over, um, especially now where I'm, um, really focused on, on Fred's brand and doing some really fun things and projects. Um, but I also get, um, pulled into, um, projects and, and things that happen in Finder as well, which is, uh, which I really like that, how it's very dynamic and, and always different. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of outside Finder um, since November, gosh, um, when did we start? 20, over a, over a year now, um, November, 2019, we started Shabesta Ventures and, um, and then went into lockdown and um, didn't do all the things we wanted to do, but we've done some really cool things. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it really changes every day. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, now you're a mum, right? So you, you would be a ninja when it comes to time efficiency. And you mentioned there that you've also got to manage, um, you know, Fred and all his endeavors and what you're doing at your best adventures. How have you gotten better at managing your time continually? Are there one or two hacks or things that you try to implement in your day that just give you that extra level of efficiency because you know we all get the same 24 hours absolutely i think when i first started at finder i came from another comparison site and i came into the team um, to run the australian pr team we didn't have one at the time so it was all very new it was a really um, quiet, you know, new kind of business um, eight years ago. And um, it wasn't really, you know, there was no, you know, relationships with press. They weren't really doing anything. Um, so, and and I established relationships before I came in. So I thought, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to come right in and, and take over. And, um, and I came in and I found it really difficult to, to just regain and rebuild that trust from the ground up. And I think, a couple of months in, I realized that if I'm going to make this work and get to the level that I want to be at, um, for me personally and in this role, um, I need to I need to put in some extra hours and extra effort. So I started to do a couple of hours in the evenings um, here and there. And um, that's when I really, I think, um, took myself to the next level. And um, it took me a long time to um really encourage other people to do that because I didn't want to um I, I just worried about other other people and crew and team members um feeling like they had pressure that they had to work extra hours but what I've realized over time and what has um that has given me success is to do it, it's about what you want to do so I encourage people to do it. I encourage people to put in that extra effort and you can exponentially grow in your career, in mastering your craft, in doing the things that you want to do, in, you know, getting that promotion, you know, learning new things, put in that effort. And it's not about overworking and, you know, putting in, you know, hours and not getting paid for them. It's not about that. It's about what you put in, you will get out of it. I love that. 
So tell me, right, this sounds like it's almost ingrained in you or something that's always been there, but you've really switched it on. If you think back to your earlier days, who were some of those key role models growing up and some of those key female role models? Um, I think growing up, role models to me would have been my teachers. They were the ones that were encouraging me to learn and encouraging me to do better. Um, my parents as well. Um, but, you know, I weren't really um, exposed to, you know, a business life or, you know, um, I worked in, I worked since I was 14 and nine months and couldn't work, wait to start earning a living. And, and, you know, I was in takeaway shops and Pizza Hut and, um, and then retail. I was at um, JAG and Q and, and I worked a lot and really hard and um, I loved it. I loved selling. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I've always had a really strong work ethic. My, both my parents worked, um, and so, yeah, I think it would have come down to my teachers. Yeah, I love that. Um, now, I have to ask, have there been any, you know, gender-specific challenges you've faced yourself through your career or maybe you've witnessed others face that you've really wanted to try and impact and, and make a difference uh, in, in those scenarios? You know, I think I've been really lucky because I haven't had, you know, sexual harassment or, you know, gender discrimination. Um, I don't know. I've always felt, I don't, this might come across really weird, but I haven't felt like a woman in terms of feeling different to a man and feeling like I have different um, expectations or, or inequality because of my gender. Um, I haven't seen gender um, you know, looking at um, in my professional life and going into work and, you know, feeling any different to any other, you know, man or, you know, that I've worked with. And I feel really um, lucky because I, you know, as I've worked, the longer I've been in my career, I come across more and more stories of gender inequality and sexual harassment. And it's really sad and it's a really big thing out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I've been really lucky. Um, yeah. I know that a lot of women, you know, have had that experience. Yeah, totally. So if you were to rewind back to some of those first entry level, you know, beginning career positions and now seeing where you are today, are there still things that you see or witness or observe that you wish could be changed or if they could just change you can see how they'd make a really big impact for other women coming through and might speed things up for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is um, workplace flexibility and some of the um, workplaces um, and I have, weren't there for very long because it was such a horrible culture. Mm -hmm. And when it's a horrible culture and it's super inflexible and there's too much expectation on people to be in the office at this time and you're not allowed to leave until this time and you have to have meetings before this time because that time is your work time. It's just ridiculous. It really is. And I think COVID probably has helped um, a lot of companies realise and understand that um, workplace flexibility is a thing that people need. It's not a want. It's not a luxury. It's something we need in our lives. And, you know, I'm so grateful. The other day I was having a really off day and by the afternoon I just, you know, I needed a break. And so I knew that if I could have a break now and, you know, take a couple of hours off early, I can get back online at 8 p.m. And, and do a few more hours and I'll feel better. I'll be more productive. I'll be 
super efficient and I'll get lots done. And I did. And I do that often, not that often, but, um, you know, sometimes when you need it, you have that opportunity to do that. Um, it, it's just an incredible feeling. You feel more value. You feel um, like you're uh, more empowered to be able to do your job well at the best of your ability. And you want to put in that extra effort because you're looked after. And I think the companies that don't do that um, are really losing out. They're losing out on um, talent, um, you know, retention and talent, um, you know, attraction. And, um, and yeah, they're, they're not going to be able to, you know, keep up with, um, you know, especially a new generation of talent and, and young people coming through and just have that expectation. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, is there a couple of amazing women, maybe from afar or maybe even close that we may not know about to you that you really admire or at right now are doing amazing things? I think there's so many out there. Um, Maggie Palmer, she's at Pep Talk Her. Um, she was a journalist and then, you know, moved to New York and she's, um, you know, found, um, was discriminated against for gender inequality and, um, and decided to um, create an entire business around it to help other women. And I think that's phenomenal. I think, um, yeah, there's just so many out there that, um, uh, are doing really incredible things. Um, Taryn Williams is another one who I admire. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, there's so many out there and um, and they're doing things to help other women. It's just, yeah, it's really empowering. So so you're an advisory board member of Pep Talk Her. Tell us exactly like, what's it all about? What does it do? Pep Talk Her is um, an app, but it also does um, other things. They do, you know, events and they do workshops and um, mm -hmm. courses and, and, and really builds a community around women to empower them to understand how to have those conversations with their employers to know what their, you know, their rights are and their, um, you know, and training and development in, um, in leadership and um, giving women the confidence to know that, they can um, do what they want and can achieve um, great success and it, the, the gender doesn't have anything to do with it. And I think there's a lot of women out there that um, uh, for some reason don't have the confidence, um, which is really sad. Um, and, and, and they have experienced some kind of gender inequality or they've experienced, um, you know, trying to get funding and, and they, and, they're up against, you know, these awful statistics that um, discourage them from starting a business and discourage them from being able to do what they want to do in life. And um, it's it's absent and companies like Pep Talker that help um, women realise that, you know, it, the opportunities are endless and they can do it. Yeah. Michelle, what is your, what is or are your biggest fears? My biggest fears? <laughs> do you know one that was um when i worked inside finder <laughs> i told fred one sounds like you're happy to be outside <laughs> oh no i love finder. i don't feel like i'm outside i have to say i'm 100 inside finder that's for sure um but it was when it was 
I guess I'm saying it because it was, you know, based on working in a, in a website, solely on a website. Um, I said to Fred one day, what if there was no internet? Like what if internet just turned off? We wouldn't, we wouldn't have a job. We wouldn't have a company. So <laughs> that, those kinds of things scare me. I think um, from a business perspective, um, I don't know. I probably have fears like anyone else. Um, yeah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a pretty big one, but the internet dying also kind of excites me to a degree because it could be quite refreshing, at least for a little while anyway. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe just the social media part at times, you know. Now, I have to ask, you mentioned earlier some of those secrets to your success with your time efficiency. I wonder if there's some you could share with us around um, being a mum and being a wife. Like, are there some secrets to getting a good balance going there? You talked about your flexibility with your work and, and working in and around your family. But, um, I mean, it's a journey for all of us as a parent. But what are some things that you've maybe adapted recently that have helped you get better and better? I think um, I was thinking about this question and I've mentored some some women um, over the years. And what I've found, um, I found disturbing that a lot of them, there was, there's a theme that a lot of them have this concern um, about they're, they're young, they don't have, you know, a family yet, they're not married yet. And, and they say to me, how am I going to do it? How am I going to have a family? How am I going to have kids and do this career path that I want to do? And that really scares them. But it scares me more to think that that's a worry for them. For me, I think um, maybe it's because I've been lucky to have a supportive partner, um, my husband, who... Um, you know, we've always, you know, discussed and communicated how we can do things together as a unit and, um, you know, in terms of building careers. And um, he, when we had kids, I guess he, um, his career took, he's a teacher and he took, I guess, um, uh, you know, a back seat in to keep continuing his career into, you know, being promoted um, into mm-hmm. other roles in in the schools because um, it was just you know easier to have someone being able to pick up kids and you know one of us to be able to do that more and um, and now I, I don't think we've swapped I think um, yeah he's been now the kids are older he's been able to um, take on more and become you know an assistant principal and do other things that he, he felt like he couldn't really do earlier but I think from the beginning we've really tried to be equals and um, really shared the load. And I think Mm. that's what it comes down to. It's like you're having kids, but you're not having kids on your own. You're having Mm. kids hopefully with someone um, who you can share the load with. Um, And it shouldn't be on the woman's responsibility to raise children. And, you know, I think, that I've been met perhaps, you know, lucky that I've been able to not mm-hmm. worry about that in a yeah. sense. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Saddens me that um, other women, young women out there in their 20s, early 20s are really worried about this. And and I just want them to know that, that you can do anything you want to do um, and, it, yeah, it's it's achievable and you don't have to worry about it because if you have a supportive workplace or you start your own business, 
um, and you have a supportive um, partner or family, you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. And um, I have to ask, you're talking about um, you know, speaking to a, a young 20-year-old woman who's maybe embarking upon that phase of their life soon. Um, if you could, or if you have in the past, gift a book or something that you've read that's really impacted you, you think could be worthwhile and valuable to them. Is there one particular author or book that comes to mind? Oh, absolutely. I've, I don't have it with me right now in this room, but um, I helped Fred write his book, Go Live, 10 Principles to Launch a Global Empire. <laughs> Go live, baby. I love yes. it. Yeah, that was this, so much fun. Is this the book where when you buy it, you can win Bitcoin? That's right. There are love it. still 10 golden tickets, Bitcoin golden tickets up for grabs. Um, it's worth, it was worth a thousand dollars, but it's now like 30, it was, oh, it's probably gone down a little bit at the moment, but, (laughs) um, it's, yeah, there's 10 tickets. They're all, they all have different values. Um, and I mean, the book is such a great read though. It has so many stories and, um, you know, every chapter is a principle that you can adapt in your own life. Um, to to really um, reach that next level, no matter if you're learning to be a leader inside an organisation, you're learning to lead a project, you're learning to start a project um, or take on your own business, no matter what it is, um, you know, these are principles that Fred uses in his personal life and his um, business. And, um, yeah, they're really powerful. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people who were saying, you know, they're doing this now or they've just registered their business. Or, you know, I think it's about um, people need that kind of push, that inspiration to go, you know what, you know, is this all it takes to do it? Just start and see what happens because the first step is always the hardest, what I've learned from Fred mm-hmm. in his book. And um, there's so much... Um, you know, fear that people have before starting. Um, so once you start, it's like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? You know, and then you once you that's one thing that Fred does. What's the worst that could happen? And once you break that down and you know and map out scenarios, um, that kind of for some reason gives you the confidence to go live and, and start. And I think um yeah it's it's a really powerful book and it's a really entertaining read. It's not you know theory and and heavy and you know hard to to follow. Um so yeah that's definitely one. But another one that I really enjoyed was um Lean In um yeah. by Cheryl Sandberg. I know that's um a, quite a famous one. Um that one um, has a lot of, it's quite heavy in terms of it's got a lot of research, but there's a lot of stories in it as well. Personally from Cheryl of things like one thing that stuck out for me was um, when she was pregnant, she realized that there were no, you know, it was really hard to park at her workplace and walk really far. And so she lobbied to have some car spaces not just for disabled but also for pregnant women and um and and then she went through the guilt of knowing that she only realized that when she was pregnant and then you know only doing it for herself but it wasn't for herself and i i went through a similar thing when um when i was pregnant with my second at finder and um we didn't have a, a you know we're still very startup um, at the time and and we didn't have a um, paid parental leave policy in place. So um, I, I put it to Fred and Frank and, and they said, yeah, go do some research and tell us, you know, what we should do. And I talked to some friends at some of the biggest tech companies 
in the world in Australia and 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 they you know one friend um suggested I you know study you know the big companies policies mm -hmm. and then put some you know a framework around a, a proposal or suggestion of what the big ones are doing and I took it to Frank and um the really cool thing that Frank said to me was um this is a great benchmark but we don't want to be a benchmark we don't want to be a benchmark against others we want to be better mm -hmm. and um, that's what I've always loved about finder and and so um yeah we've got a policy in place um I and, love that. And there was other women who were pregnant at the time. So it was really nice to be able to put that in. I think that's what I love about Finder. It's that, you know, it's not just flexibility about time. It's flexibility in what you do, what you want to do, you know. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the values of, you know, really empowering people to encourage them to do what they want we've had people who have changed careers inside finder from we had an office manager that turned into a developer and we paid for their you know um course to to go and learn how to do that they come back as a developer and um you know do they look different no <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a bit more um techie no. <laughs> yeah, but she was incredible and um you know we've had people move from you know different departments and teams and um there's one mentioned in Fred's book actually of JT Justin he moved in from PR to to now he's in product management wow and um but it's like you have the opportunity if you want to do something get involved in a different project or team or try something new um it, I guess you know there's no limit in what you can do and I think no matter what business you're in, there's, there is always that opportunity to do that no matter where you work. You can always put your hand up. You can always see something better or a problem inside the company and find, you know, and think of a solution or, you know, see something that others are doing that, hey, why don't we do this here? Mm -hmm. um, and I love how we're encouraged to do that at Finder, but I feel like anyone can do that inside their organizations. So if you could put one thing on a billboard, what would it be? On a billboard? Yeah. <laughs> if it's one quote, one image, one inspirational thing, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm trying to think. For everyone else to see and share in the glory of, you know? I think it would probably be something like uh, you're only limited by your imagination. Love that. Feels very <laughs> Walt Disney, that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got one last question for you because I know we're running out of your precious time. And just for everyone listening and watching, we are going to do this all again. As soon as we can get back into our studio, we're going to have Michelle down to Melbourne and we're going to do uh, have her in for the round table. So um, this won't be the last you hear of her. But I want to ask you, is there a particular secret talent that maybe you have that only those really close to you know exists that you're willing to share with a wider audience today? A secret talent? Some have said karaoke. Some have said chess. Some have said being really good at finding Where's Wally in a Where's Wally book. <laughs> talent. I like that one. I like that one. I love painting. Wow, I enough. I definitely should um, allocate more time in my life to paint. Um, I painted in high school and then um, a little bit after that. And um, 
not often enough. It's something, yeah, when I, before, when I was in year 12, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was encouraged to go to uni as a fallback plan, but I wanted to open an art gallery. And I feel like one day that's still possible. Maybe an online one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something um, I want to do more in the future. Do you paint now? Um, Do you know what? I think 2020 news resolution, I, I said I'm going to paint every week and yeah. I'm still halfway through a painting I started in January 2020. <laughs> I haven't touched That's it. It's awesome. Really, really sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's great to hear that you picked it back up and um, that's the first step, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I have to ask, you know, given that you're the COO at Your Best Adventures and you are just running so much different stuff, how can people not just check you out, but how can people who want to collaborate or jump in and be part of your journey, how can they do that? What would you recommend they do? I'm on um, LinkedIn or you can email me, Michelle, at fredjavesta.com. Um, yeah, yeah, follow follow Fred. Um, he's more inspirational than me, I think. <laughs> there's a certain audience that he lights up, but I can see there's someone pulling the strings and making all the magic happen. So kudos to you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'll try. Well, thanks Michelle, <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks most importantly for giving us your valuable time. And I really hope those who've watched and listened have gotten a couple of key things out of this. You'll be able to read it as a blog article. You'll be able to check it out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. And I can't wait to have you down in the studio and we can do it all again. Thanks, Michelle. I can't wait to be down there as well. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another episode of She Knows. If you loved what you heard, then do us a favour and review and subscribe to us on all your favourite platforms. To get in touch, head to gettorched.com and see you on the next episode.